This is the Prosper Stronger Podcast, a community where LDS women gather to cultivate covenant connections and strive to be devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, and welcome to the first official episode of Prosper Stronger. I want to talk to you a little bit today about where this idea of Prosper Stronger came from and give you a little background as to why I'm doing this and why I feel that it is so important. For years and years, as I was reading the Book of Mormon, I would read, probably just like you, many of the scriptures or passages that would say something along the lines of, if you keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land. But if you keep not my commandments, you shall be cut off from my presence. Now, as I read that and I was younger, I thought prosper in the land. Oh, sure. They're going to have wealth. They're going to have food. They're going to have prosperity, everything they want, everything they need. And I looked at that so often in in terms of material or temporal blessings and belongings. And even as I read the Book of Mormon, I thought, sure, look, here they are, they're being faithful, and we can see that they're prospering. And Nephi talks about that, how they're building things and growing things, and their cities are being developed. They used cement, they had gems, you know, they had silver and gold and money and animals and all kinds of things, which we would think is prosperous, fine linens, and all of that. And so I didn't think too much about it. I just thought, oh, okay, yeah, all right. So if they keep the commandments, they get the blessings, it's all good. And then as I got older and older through time, I realized I don't get this because there are people that are keeping the commandments, but they're struggling financially. They may not be doing well. They might be losing their job or having difficulty keeping their home, or maybe they're really sick and they have to sell things in order to take care of the person that's sick in their home. And yet there would be other people that seem to have everything you could possibly desire. The big house, the boats, the clothes, the trips, the popularity, all the attention, the good looks, you name it, they had it all. And yet they maybe weren't keeping the commandments or they weren't following God. And so to me, it created this paradox of, I don't understand how if we keep the commandments, we should prosper. And my, I thought, okay, if we're keeping the commandments, we should get all the blessings. We should have everything we need. We should have those temporal blessings. And it wasn't until I was a little older and I started to really think, okay, hold on a second. What does it mean to really prosper? And why would Heavenly Father say this over and over and over again? And it must be incredibly important because he's repeating it so often. I actually counted up some of the instances. I didn't, I'm sure I didn't get all of them because if you go to the index in our scriptures, we can see that there's over 24 times in the Book of Mormon that he uses this. If you keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land. But then as I was studying it more, I came across additional ones that weren't in the index. And so I was like, wait, I think there's more. So that's why I say I'm not sure how many. I just know that there's more than 24 because I found more that are not included in the index. He's also, we have it in different forms. So we'll hear, if you keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land in one part of a chapter or around that chapter. And then as the teachings continue, he'll pull in different pieces of it. You know, keep my commandments, keep my commandments. For example, in Alma, when he is giving his kind of final words to his son Helaman. It's in Alma 36 and Alma 37. And he mentions this, if you keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land. But then he goes on to remind Helaman to keep the commandments six times. He doesn't use the entire phrase, but keep the commandments, keep the commandments, keep the commandments six times in chapters 36 and 37. 
So it is peppered all throughout the Book of Mormon. We also see similarities in phrasing and teachings in the Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, and throughout the Bible. So as I thought about that, I'm like, okay, there is more to this than what I'm thinking. This surface level of prosperity, of prospering, I'm not really getting it. And I wasn't. I needed to dig deeper into what prospering really meant. But before I go to that, I want to share with you a little bit of my journey in the land, in this wilderness that we call earth. Our journey in this wilderness is different for each of us. And mine is different than yours. And that's totally normal. But I'm guessing that some of what I've been through, perhaps you've been through, or some of what I've felt is what you felt at times in your life, probably from different situations, but similar feelings, similar fears, or similar excitement or happiness or joy. Hopefully that's the case. But as I look back at my life, I thought, you know what? I could probably say that it's been pretty rough. There's been a lot of things in my life that have been very difficult. And there are people that maybe look from the outside and think, oh, she's had a perfect life. Oh, it's been so easy. She's one of those prosperous ones. And in reality, it's tough. It's been tough. When I was young, I was four years old and my mother was pregnant with what would be her fourth child. And she got very ill and had to crawl around the house. She was on bed rest. And I remember her crawling around the house to take care of me and my two brothers. And that's what I thought it was to be pregnant. My dad actually tells the story of when he came across me and my friend and we were playing and we were crawling, you know, around the house at four years old. And he's, what are you doing? And I said, oh, well, we're going to be moms. And so we had our baby dolls, you know, we're like, oh, we're pretending we're moms. We're, we're pregnant. We're going to have a baby. And he just took a minute and went, what? My daughter thinks that being pregnant means you have to crawl everywhere. <laughs> That's what I was seeing. And then when my sister was born, she was born prematurely and she lived for about five weeks and then she passed away. And I remember being taken to the hospital and, you know, putting my hands up on the glass and looking in and seeing a tiny little baby and my parents saying, that's your sister. And I didn't understand, you know, that was hard to comprehend. And that was the only time I saw her alive because she passed away when she was about five weeks old, like I said, and, and then it went to her funeral and there was this tiny, tiny little baby who they said was my sister who had died. And all I knew was that my mom was really sad and my dad was really sad. And it didn't matter what I did, I couldn't fix it. And then 18 months later, I had a brother. My mom had my brother, Eric, and he lived for one day. And once again, there we were at a funeral. I was five years old then. And there was this little tiny baby, not moving at all, looked like a doll. And they told me, that's your brother. And again, my mother and my father were so desperately sad and nothing I could do could fix it. And as I grew older, we saw the miracle of my mom being able to have a full-term baby and actually have another brother, healthy and whole and marvelous. So I have three brothers and then two siblings, a brother and a sister that are on the other side of the veil waiting for all of us. So that was when I was young. And so it was an early introduction to the seriousness and the sadness that can come in life. But then I watched my parents in their faith and they taught us the plan of salvation and they never wavered. And they shared their faith and testimony in Jesus Christ and that we knew we would be together again. And this went on for 
six years, seven years, eight years, on and on and on until when I was 11 years old. I remember my dad gathering me and my three brothers around and telling us that our mom had just been diagnosed with cancer and that it was a kind of cancer that the doctors did not believe would ever be cured or would even be able to go into remission. It was essentially a cancer that meant she would die. And I remember my dad crying as he told us how much he loved our mom and saying, you know, we could ask why. We could say, why is God doing this to our family? Why, after we've always already lost these two children, why give us something again that's so hard? Why do this to our mom who's so faithful and so marvelous and so wonderful? Why is she having to go through this? Why are we all having to go through this? He said, we could do that, but we're not. We are not going to ask why. We are going to trust in God. We are going to put our faith in him and know and trust that he cares for us and that we are willing to submit to his will, knowing that all things will work together for our good. And I am so grateful for that example of my parents. And they did. And we did. And they continued to teach us truth. They continued to help us have faith. You know what? It was hard. It was really hard. It was hard to watch my mom go through all the chemo, all the pain, everything that she went through, and to watch my dad go through it as well. And then he served as bishop while this was happening, and he was running two businesses at the same time. And we were teenagers, some of us, and then young. My youngest brother was three. So there was this wide range for all of us as we went through the next five years. And there was a time in that five years, I kept hearing people say, if you just have more faith, the miracle will happen. And I would read things in the scriptures, just, you know, ask and you shall receive. And I thought, okay, I'm asking. I want my mom to be healed. And I was doing everything I could to be so 100% obedient because I wanted her to live so badly. And then we reached a point where I realized it wasn't about that. It was like my dad had said. It was about being willing to submit everything to our Father in heaven. And I remember the day when I made the choice, the very hard choice to change my prayers, to stop praying that my mother would be healed and instead pray that, yes, I wanted her to be healed, but if not, praying for the faith and the strength to accept God's will and to have the peace if his will was for her to pass away. I think I was about 14 years old when that happened and it changed my life and it changed my heart. And I look back at those years and I'm amazed at the growth and the experiences we had. We still had so much fun. We loved being together as a family. It was a gift. Every minute we had with my mom was a gift and it was filled with joy. And I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. It was two weeks after my 16th birthday when my mother passed away and the experiences I had with the spirit throughout that whole process, but especially the morning after she passed, were undeniable. I knew God knew me, and I knew he knew my mother. I knew he was with us, and she was with us. And I have a firm witness and testimony that he is the Prince of Peace. So why do I share that? Because many of you will listen to that and think, that's not prospering. That isn't what any of us want. It's really a sad story, isn't it? And I'm sharing that story because it is significant to me in what it means to prosper. Like I said, it was sad. It is still sad. It's been over 30 years now and I still weep because I miss my mother and because her grandchildren, my children have never known her. 
here on earth. And any of you that have lost loved ones, you know what this feels like. You feel that hole in your heart, but there are also such tender mercies and so much sweetness and peace and comfort and joy that comes from knowing that Heavenly Father sent us here as part of his plan of happiness, the great plan of happiness, the one that is available to each and every one of us, this joy that he offers eternal life with him and with our loved ones. That is what he offers, at least part of what he offers to us. And that is part of prospering. I went on, I had a joyful high school experience. I was still having a lot of fun, a lot of joy, a lot of delight, and the usual trials that come from junior high and high school and everything else and life and navigating eventually a step family, a stepmother, and all the things. I went on to college and got to participate in the BYU Ballroom Dance Company touring team and got to teach there. And that was something my mother had loved doing and that I got to do it also was a huge blessing in my life. I loved it, loved it, loved it so much. And I know that is unique to me. Not everybody loves ballroom dancing. Totally okay. <laughs> and some of you might think I'm really weird because I do. And that's okay too. But for me, it was exactly what I needed. And it was a huge blessing in my life. I look back now and I think there are spiritually defining moments like we've heard in general conference. And obviously these experiences I've shared with my family and my brothers and sister and my mom. And then ballroom dancing at BYU. There's been so many spiritually defining moments and I am so grateful for them. Anyway, I went on, eventually met and married in the temple. You know, everything's going to be happily ever after because that's what everybody says it is, right? You watch the movies, you read the books, it's supposed to be happily ever after. Just go get married in the temple. It's all good. But it wasn't. And a few years into our marriage, my husband decided he didn't want to be in the church anymore. He wanted to take a different path, and my entire world collapsed all around me. We had three children by the time that he let me know this was what he was going to do, and it has been 18 years, 18 long years, 18 very, very, very difficult years, and 18 years of growth, 18 years of refining, 18 years of learning and studying, 18 years of repenting, of forgiving, of praying for charity and help, 18 years of being supported by many wonderful people, 18 years of ups and downs. And there have been some very serious downs, very serious downs and very difficult struggles because as parents, we couldn't be a unified front, a unified leaders in our home. A unified presence in our home. We were both going different directions. And that led to a lot of confusion, a lot of hurt, a lot of fear, and among us and among our children, which also then led to hard challenges with parenting and with children and in some of their lives. So, so, so hard. And people would often say, so how are you doing this? How are you even still together? And there have been times when I thought, I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you how many times I was on the floor of my closet, crying, sobbing, all out of things to pray for because I just didn't know anymore. I didn't know where to turn, what to do, how to take the next step. And I'll tell you more about that in, in another episode. But what I do know is this, I can look back on these 18 years and I can see that through it all, the Lord was with me. 
in the ups and the downs, when I invited him in, when I put forth the effort to come to him, to learn of him, to keep my covenants, to pray, to study his word, to focus on Jesus Christ. And when I focus on Jesus Christ, I can feel joy. I feel peace. I feel hope. It is Jesus Christ and the power of his atonement that has brought me to this point. That is why we are still together and why at this time, 18 years later, things are better than they've been in the last 15 years. I would say maybe probably 18 years. They are better. It hasn't changed. My situation has not changed. My husband's chosen path has not changed, but I've changed. And that is what has brought me to this idea of prospering. What does it truly mean to prosper? Because I will tell you right now, spiritual death of your loved ones is devastating. It's heartbreaking. My heart weeps for everyone who has lost a loved one. But spiritual death of my loved one has been infinitely harder into the depths of my soul. And there have been times when I wondered if God truly cared and if I would ever prosper. I was trying so hard to keep all the commandments. Where was the answer to this blessing? Why weren't we prospering? Why wasn't I getting the miracles I wanted? I've been there. I have asked those questions. But I can tell you now that those were in moments of weakness. Those were in moments of sorrow and that the Lord was there with me and he allowed me to weep. He allowed me to feel that. And then he picked me up and brought me to a higher place, a higher plane. And I can look back now with gratitude because I know what I've learned in the process. I know the person that I've become in the process of all of these things. And yes, there's been many other experiences, many other wonderful things, many other challenging things, but these are the biggest ones in my life. And I wanted you to know that because I want you to know that I'm not coming to you as somebody who has all the answers. And I'm not coming to you as somebody who's perfect. I'm not coming to you who's somebody who hasn't experienced pain. My pain I've experienced has been real and you have experienced pain as well. And it might be different from mine, but pain is pain and it hurts regardless of why it happens. But also all of our answers, all of our joy, all of our peace, all of our healing, all of our ability to overcome the sorrow and the pain and the challenges of this world, all of our suffering comes from the same source. We are in this together and we are in this with Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father. And He is the one who offers us everything we need. So then, what does all of this have to do with this idea of prospering or what it means to prosper in the land? Again, all of this is just me, Elizabeth. Please don't think that I'm coming again to you knowing everything. I don't. But I do feel and have felt the promptings of the Holy Ghost and a call from Heavenly Father, a mission that I need to share my experiences. I need to share my lessons and what I've learned. I need to share with you, with any who are willing to listen any who are going through difficult things, any who want to draw closer to the Savior or to want, who want to know what their purpose is, 
what to focus on, how to move forward at this time in their lives, because we all need a purpose. We all have a mission to fulfill. And right now, my mission is to do this podcast and create the Prosper Stronger program. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know why I feel that I'm supposed to do this. And I can tell you right now, I've tried to let Heavenly Father know that I don't think I should. I don't think I can. I don't think I'm capable. He has the wrong gal. I've tried it for four years, and he has let me know that it's time for me to build a ship like Nephi. So I hope you will accept me as I am and recognize that as I share my thoughts, as I share experiences, as I invite others to share their experiences, it is all in hopes of sharing the light of Christ, appointing us all to him and helping us find joy through and in Jesus Christ. And to me, that is what it means to prosper. As I looked at prospering, I felt that it encompassed many different things. And I've kind of put them together. I feel like there are so many ideas around this. It's hard to put them into just one, explain it in just one way. So some of the things that I have felt impressed about prospering is, first off, it means to have his presence with us. When we hear that phrase, if you keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land. But if you keep not my commandments, you shall be cut off from my presence. So it must logically, I think, okay, so if not prospering means we don't have his presence with us, then to prosper must mean that we do have his presence with us. So to have the Holy Ghost with us, to look forward to dwelling with our Father in heaven for eternity, I believe that's one element of prospering. Another is to be able to feel of his love. He has promised us that if we will come to him, if we will choose to abide in him, then he will abide in us and we will have a fullness of his love, that we will feel his love and the love of his father. But we have to be the ones that open ourselves up to receive of that love. I'm thinking of, again, back to Alma when he's talking to his son, Shiblon. And Shiblon, remember, was the righteous one who was great example and so faithful and obedient. And I think it's always interesting that Alma tells him, bridle your passions that ye may be filled with love. Isn't that fascinating? Because in the world today, what the world is saying is, oh, give in to all of your passions, act on your passions, feed all of your passions, fulfill all of your passions, whatever you do, do it with passion. It's all about meeting your passionate desires. And if you do that, then you'll feel love, right? If you love me, you'll do this. Because I feel this way, then you should treat me this way. And that is love, right? It's, it's always, it's not bridling passions at all. But yet here, he says, Shiblon, bridle your passions and you shall be filled with love. And that I believe is to be filled with charity, the pure love of Christ. When we keep the commandments, then we come unto him when we learn of him, when we focus on Christ, we open our hearts and then we do the work of being willing to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, to receive the gift of feeling his love. It is there for us. All of it is there for us. He has it. It's like, I think about, you know, when they have those celebrations and they have tons of balloons and they're all held up in a net and you can look above you and just see the whole ceiling is filled with balloons, but they're 
just being held there. And all it takes is one person to reach up and snip that net, create an opening, and those balloons can start to fall. And the bigger the opening, the more balloons fall. So we get to choose how big our opening is based on what we do with our agency and what we do with our heart. He's asking us for a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He's asking us to submit our will to his. And as we do so, that means we open up our heart and are more willing to receive all these things that are there for us. He's waiting and willing and wanting to give us all that he has. So to prosper is to open, to open and be willing and ready to receive. And I mentioned again, the gift of the Holy Ghost, to receive charity. We're told we should pray with all the energy of our hearts that we may be filled with that love. Don't we want that? Don't we want our loved ones to have that? And I think another aspect of prospering is to also be able to access the power that Heavenly Father makes available to us. He has, I made a list one time of all the different times he in the scriptures and President Nelson in his talks use the word power and then what it relates to. So the power of faith, the power of repentance, the power of the priesthood, a whole list of all these different types of power. I was dumbfounded how long that list got. It was huge. It took more than one page. It took at least two pages. And as I kept going, it got longer and longer and longer. Blew my mind. There is so much power available to us. And I believe we're just barely, barely scratching the surface of what we have access to as covenant members of his church, as covenant children of a heavenly father. And President Nelson has been trying to get us to see it. He's been trying to help us recognize and do the things that will help us tap into and access the power that God wants us to have more abundantly. The abundance of God is prosperity. I believe that's what he wants to give us here in this life and throughout eternity. To prosper is to thrive. To prosper is to grow, is to learn, is to progress. All of these things are part of prospering and all of them come from Heavenly Father. They're tied into agency, they're tied into love, but it all leads to Heavenly Father through our Savior, Jesus Christ. It was so hard as I studied this idea of what it means to truly prosper. There was so much, four years of studying. I have notebook after notebook and journals and drawings and all kinds of things that I want to share with everyone because it was such a gift to me to learn more about what it truly meant to prosper. And as I began to study this, the Lord put other people in my path, other mentors, other coaches to help me realize that I needed more tools. I needed to learn things, not just in the scriptures, not just from general conference talks, but just how to apply things in my daily life, habits, We could call them holy habits and righteous routines, but also things I needed to learn about my own identity, how to manage my mind. We we hear a lot the term mindset, how to work into personal development and daily intention that allowed me to tap into increased power and increased understanding of what the Lord really expects of me, what he has in store for me, his love for me and how to communicate with him. President Nelson has also been teaching us and begging us, pleading with us to learn the language of the Spirit, to increase our capacity to receive personal revelation. And five years ago, 
in April of 2018 when he gave his talk, Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives. I took that and I studied it and other talks on personal revelation. And I made a tool to help me daily follow the pattern that President Nelson gave us and learn the language of the Spirit. And I can tell you that as I actually employed that tool and followed President Nelson's pattern, the heavens opened up to me. And the things I learned and the communication I had with Heavenly Father, I don't even have the words to explain it. I didn't know. I did not know that we could communicate that way. I did not know that Heavenly Father truly wanted to speak to me and that he was willing not just to say one or two things or share one thought or one idea, but full pages, full conversations through the Holy Ghost with my Father in heaven. And it wasn't because I'm unique. It's simply because I followed the truth, the pattern that President Nelson gave me. He gave all of us this pattern. And so prosperity to me is something that increases the more effort we put in, because we know the Lord loves effort, the more he can bless us, the more we open our hearts and our minds to receive all that he offers to us. And all that he offers to us is something that Alma terms as eternal bliss. Eternal bliss. I don't use that word very often. Bliss? Like, honestly, I think back in my life and I'm trying to think of a time when I felt bliss. That's a powerful word. I believe I felt it a few times, but eternal bliss? Wow. Why wouldn't I want that? And why wouldn't you want that? And I want it for my family and my loved ones. And I want it for you, for you and your loved ones. And I want it for all of God's children. He wants it for all of his children. And so as I look at what it means to prosper, it's all of those things, not just for me, but for my loved ones and for all the family of God. And that, I believe, is what it means when we truly become converted. He says we should strengthen our brethren. We strengthen our sisters. We strengthen other children of God. We desire to bring them to Christ and help them feel of that joy and of that peace, of that bliss. That is what Prosper Stronger is about. And it's about how we do that. Not just to share those experiences, to share our hard, to share what we learn and how we grow. And I can tell you, I can look back now after 50 years and know that I would not be the person I am today if I had not gone through all of those experiences, if I had not been through the hard, and if I had not yoked myself with Christ. So as we go into Prosper Stronger, I tried to organize it into some categories or some ways that would make sense. And it was so hard because like I said, there's so many aspects of it. And the gospel is so glorious and beautiful. There's so much we could talk about and share. But I tried to pare it down into a couple things. So the first is, as covenant-keeping women, what do we do to prosper? Our prosperity is tied to our covenants and how we keep them. This I know, and we will definitely dive into that more. So as covenant-keeping women, how do we do this? What do we do to prosper? Well, I believe to learn how to have Christ-like poise as we were taught so well in April 2023 General Conference. So Christ-like poise. We're going to prosper with poise. We're going to prosper with purpose. We are going to work 
to communicate and learn and develop our ability to receive personal revelation so that we can follow God's purpose. Because I know that you are needed. I know I'm needed. I know you are needed. And if you question that at all, go back to President Nelson's talk from October 2015 called A Plea to My Sisters. He gives us 29 things that we as women need to do and need to be. And he doesn't say it as, hey, you need to do all this. The way he phrases it is, we need you. We as your brethren, we as the church, the Lord needs you in these 29 ways. Go back and read that. It's so powerful. You are needed. And it doesn't mean you have to do all 29. Goodness gracious. Oh, that's overwhelming. I can't do all 29. I just simply don't have that capacity or the gifts and talents to do it. But I can do some of them, and I need you to do some of them because you have different gifts and talents. The Lord needs all of us. So you are needed. You have a purpose, and we need to learn what those purposes are for each stage in our life and each time in our life, and sometimes each day in our life. So we are going to prosper with poise, we're going to prosper with purpose, and we are going to prosper with power, learning how to access the power that is available to us from our Heavenly Father through keeping our covenants. That is what we are going to focus on and personal revelation. So all of those things, that's the what. What are we going to do? And why are we doing it? Because we love our Father in Heaven and we know He loves us. But then how do we do it? So we're also going to dig into patterns, the details, the daily things, the holy habits and righteous routines. We are taught so well by our church leaders what so many of these are. We're also taught the bigger picture. And sometimes it does take some doing to break it down into how we apply it in our daily life. And there are some of our leaders that teach this so beautifully. And President Nelson is one of them. But occasionally we have to take what they're teaching and fill in the gap of how do we take it and how do we actually apply it. So we're going to work on that. We will be diving into the general conference talks. And I like to call this, this particular component of Prosper Stronger, I call it hearken and heed, because that's really what we need to do. We need to hearken to the words of God and then heed them, apply them, put them into action, put our faith into action and do the work. So that's another element is our hearken and heed. And then we will also work on developing these covenant connections covenant connections with our Father, covenant connections with Jesus Christ, covenant connections with the Holy Ghost, covenant connections with ourselves, covenanting with ourselves, promising and committing so that we can live with integrity and truth. We can be true and covenant connections with others. So there are a lot of pieces to prospering stronger. And I'm excited to dive into this with you. I'm excited to go on this journey together. I already interviewed one of my dear friends who has done a marvelous work, and I'm excited for you to hear her story and learn from her. So I will be bringing in more people as they share their stories. They share their journey of hard and of growth and of refining and of prosperity, of joy, of bliss, of peace. So I welcome you into Prosper Stronger. As we move forward, you will find sometimes that I will be digging deep into the scriptures, into the word of God, into some of the doctrine. And the next episode is one of those. We'll be talking a lot about that first part. If you keep 
my commandments. And then some of the episodes will be shorter. They might just be stories. They may be experiences. They may be just one thought or one quote. So it is going to be whatever the Lord needs us to be. I am doing my best to align my will with his so that we may be one and become his covenant people. And that is the ultimate in prosperity, is to be one with Christ and to be one with our Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. Because he says, if ye are not one, ye are not mine. Let's work together to be one. Let's come together on this journey. Let's prosper stronger together. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for putting your faith and trust in God and for striving to become all he intends for you. Because I know it is glorious and marvelous and wonderful. If you'd like to learn more, if you'd like the tool that I used to increase my capacity to receive personal revelation, then go to prosperstronger.com. You can get it there for free. And I will also be adding some more free resources there. And I am just delighted to have you here. And I hope that someday you and I can meet in person and we can enjoy the association together in eternal bliss. Thank you for joining the Prosper Stronger podcast today. We hope that you have felt inspired and empowered. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. I also invite you to join me at prosperstronger.com where you will find free resources to help you grow and learn as well as join in our discussions where we go deeper into some of the things that we talk about here on our podcast. Remember that you are loved and cherished by Heavenly Father who wants you to prosper and thrive. Until next time, may you continue to cultivate covenant connections with God, with others, and with yourself, and find strength in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 